2: Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley.
1: Welcome to Episode 321 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I am a physician retired from medical practice. Our topic today is Why donate organs and tissues and blood? And the quick answer is because donations of organs and tissues and blood save lives. An example is liver transplantation. Livers are donated from individuals who've been declared brain dead and when also there's consent by their next of kin. Now brain dead has always been a criterion for doctors to declare death for organ donations. Brain dead means that the person has suffered a brain catastrophe, like a massive stroke, and has had their vital functions, you know, breathing and heart and so on, maintained mechanically up to the point at which death is declared by doctors. Nowadays, new ways of permitting donations are important for the same reason, because donations of organs and tissues and blood save lives. An example is permitting donation after something called cardio circulatory death. This is when the heart has stopped beating, as happens in sudden cardiac arrest, which is a condition in which the heart suddenly and unexpectedly stops beating. Blood stops flowing to the brain and other vital organs, and death usually occurs if if the condition is not treated immediately. Now, donations of organs, particularly, after cardiocirculatory death, come from patients for whom there is no hope of recovery, but who are not dying because of brain death. And there's been a lot of discussion about the point at which cardiocirculatory death actually occurs. But there's also a lot of ongoing discussion about challenges and concerns which could hold back donations generally, which is why our topic, Why Donate Organs and Tissues, is so important, so really important. To discuss it, our guest is Emile Terrien. Emile and his wife, Beth, are passionate spokespersons for organ, tissue, and blood donation. Emile retired in July 2006 after 18 years as president of the Canada Safety Council He continues to be widely respected and much sought after spokesperson on matters of public health and safety. Public health and safety has been his mission throughout his career and in his private life. His community participation is driven by a concern for effective public safety, a humane and compassionate criminal justice system, and the crucial need to increase organ donation. As a volunteer, he serves numerous organizations, such as the Trillium Gift of Life Network, the Canadian Blood Services, the Kidney Foundation of Canada, and the Church Council on Justice and Corrections, and the Social Justice Network. So welcome to the show, Emile.
3: Thank you very much for having me again, Dr. Atherley. It's great to be with you again.
1: Thank you, and you too. Now, Emile, Emil, please tell us the story of your daughter, Sarah Beth, who died of sudden cardiac arrest in June 2006. Yeah, it will
3: be uh, actually June 17th, next week. One week from today will be the 8th anniversary of Sarah Beth's death. And Sarah died of sudden cardiac arrest and arrhythmia. She was 32 years old She was very, very healthy. She walked. She ate. She did all the right things. But, you know, this came out of the blue and it happened. She got sick early on a Sunday morning. She was taken to the hospital, and she died the following Saturday afternoon. Subsequent to her death, her her kidneys were taken, her corneas, and they were transplanted into two individuals, two kidney recipients, who we understand went on to live long and pretty rewarding lives. So from from the perspective of the legacy, it's a wonderful thing, and we're glad those patients are doing well.
1: Emil, please tell us why you and your wife, Beth, are passionate spokespersons particularly for organ donation, but also tissue and blood donation. Well, you
3: alluded to the fact, you know, an organ, a transplantation could save a life or prolong a life and certainly improve a life. And when you see, if you look at kidneys alone, you know, 70% of, uh, of donations required are for kidneys. There are 18,000 people on dialysis machines in this country, and if you take one off, two off, three off, you know, one at a time, we're doing a marvelous thing, not only to the healthcare system, but also to, to these individuals, you know, and if they stay on dialysis, you know, the moment the truth arrives, and they will die, take them off it, and they go on and live pretty good lives, so it could be done. And I should also point out, and I don't want to be pecuniary about dollars here, to keep a patient on dialysis in Canada costs about seven, eighty thousand dollars a year. We have eighteen thousand on dialysis, so it's a bil- what I call a billion-dollar loss industry every year. But we are taking more off, and I think we're making headway. And Beth and I feel proud that we're, you know, part of this winning team that are, you know, making inroads making inroads and in team successes.
1: Now, I want you to say more about the benefits you and your wife see arising from o- organ donations, particularly after. Cardiocirculatory death. You've already mentioned key things, but well, say more about these benefits. Well, in terms I mean, of
3: cardiac death, it was the first in Canada, you know. There, they had, there had been donation after cardiac death in the early 60s, but they really went nowhere. The United States and Western Europe have had it, but Sarah Beth was the first. And when we looked at that thing, and I could very uh, deathful, Agree with what I said. We knew nothing about organ donation when when Sarah Beth got sick. You know, I think we were very typical Canadians. Other than the medical community and others, you know, very few Canadians, you know, knew very much about organ and tissue donation. But that's changing. In Ontario, the uh, the number of people who consent to uh, uh, who have signed up to consent to organ donation like ten years ago was twelve percent. Now it's twenty four percent and growing. We have twelve thousand health card holders in Ontario. Twenty four percent have signed up, which is I think you've got to agree with me, you have pretty good progress, and it's continuing to grow. It's not only happening in Ontario, it's happening in Quebec now, have DCD, Manitoba, and Alberta, and I think British Columbia. So you're going to see that in terms of donors from do- donation after cardiac death, they're growing. At the London Health Sciences Centre in London, which is probably the foremost transplant centre in Canada, over 40% now of transplants come from a do- a donation after cardiac death, which is quite significant.
1: You used an abbreviation, um, DCD. What does it mean, Emil?
3: (laughs) When you refer to her, we call it donation after cardiac death. Right, okay. Basically what you said
1: earlier. (laughs) Right, very important. Now, let's go back to um, Sarah Beth. Um, Her donation was, in 2006... The first real donation of an organ or organs in Canada. That's right, isn't it?
3: That's yeah, from, from a donor, donor, donor after cardiac death. You're absolutely right, yes. Gordon. Yes. She was the So, first.
1: you've picked up, and this is an emotional question. You've picked up um, that groundbreaking, that important, m- massively important first step that Sarah Beth. Um, represents, and carry, you're carrying it forward, you and your wife, in all the work you do uh, in a way that builds donations, uh, particularly of organs, uh, for all the reasons you're talking about, including saving the healthcare system money. Now, first of all, have I got that right? Oh, you're
3: absolutely right. I mean, I think if we look at our our healthcare system is financially challenged, there's no question about that. But in terms of what we do out and above, you know, the, the monetary aspects, I think we we enjoy doing it. It's a tremendous legacy for Sarah Beth. And we can really, you know, I think we can convince people to become a donor because donors save lives and improve lives. And at some point, you know, when, when you know, you may need a transplant someday. You know, nobody's exempt from the fact that they may need a transplant. You've got to realize 4,000 Canadians across this country are on waiting lists for transplants. That's a significant number. But also said, Gordon, is that, you know, 10 years ago that number was almost 5,000. So in 10 years with more people in the, in the, in the country, you know, we've, we've lowered that number quite substantially. It's still high, but I think there's room to lower, the, lower it even more. And I think there's a very committed community out there to make that happen. And in we're other part words of community. We're, we're we're part of it yes. and they're a good group to be, to work with and deal with
1: yes in other words, it's not just the money, it's the, it's the saving of lives, it's the spending. Oh, of
3: absolutely, you know, we have never taken one penny for the advocacy work we do. We would never, and if somebody actually gave the check once we're showing up, we gave it to the Kidney Foundation. <laughs> <Such. laughs> now, I'm not saying we're, we're being heroes, but that's what we did. But, you know, it, it's our life, and I think it's a very important cause. We're not kids anymore, and I think people should have the important causes in life, and that's certainly one of them. Right. And, we, and people can make a difference, and I think we are making a difference. We get significant people, We speak to groups. We have a lot of media pickup. You know, we've, And I think that's important is really dialoguing with people and say, you know, if we could do it, you know, we had a wonderful experience in our life, even though we lost a child, you know, you could do it too.
1: Yes. Now, what do you think um, the medical profession, as you know, I'm a retired physician. Yeah. What? What do you think um, they think about uh, the particular activities you're involved with, particularly the... Donations of organs after cardio-circulatory death. What do they think about? it? Jim? I think those doctors are in
3: favor. And you remember, it was a very controversial issue not long ago by a, a national television program. But I think that's now behind us. I think these people are on board. The Doctor Shemis of this world, the Doctor Nicholson. You know, they realize this is a, this is really the future. Because if you know the number of brain death people, you know, the potential donor pool there is so so small. And but with it, with this now, I just referred to the fact that London Health Science said 43% now are DCD donors, in Ontario 24%. uh, Quebec is now really getting on board in a big way. Manitoba, Alberta, and BC are there. So you're going to see those numbers grow. So there will always be opposition. You know, knowing doctors and talking with doctors, there always seems to be on the part of some one it's a sort of an attitude, you know, let's wait and see, let's wait and see, let's see how this goes. But those who are formerly against DCD, I think, are now slowly changing their mind and realizing some very good stuff is being realized through donation after cardiac death. We're saving lives, there's no question about it. And that's the name of the game. Yeah.
1: Now, the proof of what you've been saying is in the way the numbers of organ donations are rising. That, that's the evidence that whatever concerns there have been are either being resolved or being accepted as something that has to be lived with, but at the same time, the whole movement is moving forward. Oh, that's right, oh, isn't
3: it? There's about, since Sarah's uh, procedure, you know, about, well, eight years ago next week, I think there's been over 500 DCD procedures in this country, and, and because of that, well over 1,000 transplants, so that's quite significant. They're pretty good numbers, and yes. they're going to keep growing. You and I will be speaking about this in five years, and you'll see those numbers are far higher than they are today.
1: Right. Now, I'm just going to make one very quick point to you before, or about what you're saying before we go to the break, and that is kidney donations. Um, Obviously, if you're alive, you have two kidneys, and you can decide to give one of your kidneys to a close relative or something like that. What we're talking about now is someone who is judged to be dead and has two kidneys for donation. In other words, it's a terrible thing to say, and the way I'm going to say it is terrible, but for the kind of organ donations you you are committed to and talking about, um, death is an essential step.
3: Oh, they're absolutely right. There's no question about it. Death is the essential step. Death must come first.
1: Okay, now uh, we've come to the time where we have to take the break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Azary, and my guest is Emile Terrien. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us, we will be back.
2: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Step into the doorway to conscious choice,
4: greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking.
2: There are 13 Unbreakable Habits of Truly Enlightened People. These life-changing habits are discussed on Dream the Life, Live the Dream with Dr. Yomi Garnett. We'll offer an excursion in self-discovery, along with wisdom that will allow you to stay on the correct path toward your destiny. You can find excellence in your life. Tune in every Thursday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, that's 10 a.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for this exciting transformational journey. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
1: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Emile Terrien. Our topic is why donate organs and tissues and blood. Now, Emile, let's talk about the challenges and concerns that could hold back donations of organs particularly, but maybe also tissues and blood after cardiocirculatory death. And so the first question is basically this. What are the types of challenges that could hold back donations after cardio-circulatory death?
3: Am well, you- I think, Dr. Atherley, it's the issue of time of the death. And, uh, you know, and, uh, there's different judgments on that. And I'm certainly not in in, in a position to uh, talk about that. But certainly some hospitals are very reluctant to go into it. Most m- of these in Canada are Catholic hospitals, believe it or not. And so I think it's a matter of time. It's through the education process, through the fact that, you know, donation after cardiac death does work, I think they'll fully get on board. Uh, I work with doctors, you know, quite frequently, you know, sometimes they're not really uh, the avant-garde of uh, new ideas, or <laughs> I think you know what I'm saying, but mm-hmm. they're very conservative in their views, but once they see things are working well, they can on board pretty quickly.
1: There's nothing like success, is there?
3: Yeah, that's what I was saying, I'm glad you said it, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like success. It's, right. the, it's the best now, model I, for anything.
1: I'm going to ask you, what are the types of concerns that could hold families back in agreeing to donations after cardiac death?
3: Well, I think the procedure, uh, Gordon, has got to be, you know, once you meet with the this you know, the, the transplant doctors. And we went through this whole process with uh, with Sarah Beth because over it from, from Sunday to Saturday was rather long being in intensive care. So we met with all these people. They were very comforting. The chaplain was just wonderful. The social worker was just unbelievable. So what you're doing, they're telling, you know, we're going to lose our daughter. We knew that, you know. I mean, the heartbreak of that is terrible. And, you know, we became convinced that out of Sarah's, be- Sarah's death something very positive would come about and I think it did. So that was the thing that re- really carried us through that.
1: Now what could hold people back um, families back in that sort of situation? Well you think? first of all you know uh,
3: a lot of Canadians have a lot to learn about organ and tissue donation. They should start right there. You know, uh, the, uh, as I said, only 24% of, of Ontarians are registered donors, and we've got to get those numbers up. And, by you know, by registering to become a donor, you know, you become well aware. The, the information provided is very informative, so you learn then exactly what a donor is, what a donor can contribute, and what you can gain out of this. I should maybe also tell you, according to Trillion Get the Life Network, in Ontario alone, we lose four out of... And potential donors because the family does not consent to donation when a loved one dies, and I emphasize that. However, when families when families do not consent, they often cite ignorance of, of a loved one's wishes. And yet, I think this is important, when someone has, has registered their wish in Ontario, families consent to donation 90% of the time. So, I think that backs up exactly what I said. People got to get to know, and they got to register. It's an amazing no. figure. Like, nine, 90%, you know, <laughs> agree to... Uh, Organ donation, which is a phenomenally high number.
1: Yeah, that's important. That's an important statistic, isn't
3: it? Yeah, it's very, very, and these are the types of statistics that you don't throw at people, but you, you know, you you discuss with the families of potential donors.
1: Right. Now let let me ask you. It's on the same lines, but the types of concerns that reflect spiritual, cultural, and family care, caregiving traditions. That could hold families back in agreeing to donations i 'm always talking about after circulatory yeah. well, what I are would, they
3: you know historically, you know many people thought that uh, the low donation rate it was attributable to, to the belief that donation goes against one 's religious or cultural beliefs, but i don 't think that exists anymore, just for the record Roman Catholics, episcopalians, Presbyterian, Lutherans, Greek Orthodox. Uh, they they all favor it and encourage it and all favor all four major denominations of Ju- Judaism support it and then Islam permits organ transplant and as a priority in saving life Buddhism is right on board and so is Sikhism so i think it disputes some of these things that you know religions and and cultural uh groups are really against it you know not really but they're really on board
1: so is And i the... think that's important you know? Absolutely now let me just say to you is then this is a question of information to people from all communities, but particularly the communities that you're talking about to say um, what we're talking about in the way of organ donation is OK. It's fine with your culture, with your faith and your traditions. Uh, here's why. Um, is that the sort of education that you think is needed Uh, because we're a very diverse society as you know do you agree with that or not?
3: I think I agree with that. I should also tell you on April 1st, a uh, forum with held at Carleton University in Ottawa here, we were, and it involved so many different faiths and religions from right across the city. And it was really aimed at young students, and it was amazing how successful it went. You know, we were all talking on the very same wavelength, you know, and, and everybody in that room agreed. You know, we talked about the importance of donation and why nobody should really be prevented or excluded from doing it. So there's a good buy in. And I think this type of thing is becoming a model I think it's gonna move right across the province at university. So I am encouraged by that thing. And the important thing, Gordon, they're young people. That yes. is so critical. They're yep. the future. And, and if they if they get the buy in, we're in pretty good shape.
1: Right, absolutely. Now what are the types of concerns expressed in the media that could hold families back in agreeing to donations? You mentioned earlier that the media kind of been responsible for saying some things that you were concerned about. Yeah. What are the types of
3: concerns? Well, I, I think, mean, you know, one major program I like, think was a little offbeat. I think it was very negative. And I think, but overall, if you look at the print media and you know, I think it's changing initially when the thing with Sarah Beth, you know, there was reluctance, you know, where are we going, you know, the very fine line in the in the sign what next? But I think the media, I know, like the Globe and Mail, the Toronto Sun, the newspapers right across the country, that's print, but also television and radio are very, very supportive. They encourage it. I mean... Anybody who wants to talk about organ donation or have an event supporting organ donation, they will get all the media pickup they want. They strongly support it. And that includes donation after cardiac death. They don't discriminate between brain death and cardiac death.
1: Right. Um let me just take you a step further into this question. What was the particular thing that the media was saying or whatever organization it was that was broadcasting? What was the objection or concern that they were trying to alert people to or frighten people with? Well, the what thing was, was
3: it? you know, somebody would make a decision about, you know, really, you know, taking uh, – Turning off the uh, life support system, and that you know, and 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 what I'm really trying to say is the concern that the transplant doctors, you know, would would rush, you know, force those machines to be turned off so they could, you know, really have that to be taken into the an operation for a transplant. That was a major concern. The timing was very important. But overall, I you know, I think all that concern now is really gone you know under the bridge and I think the media have a good buy-in but they realize you know we need alternatives and DCD is an alternative to get those numbers up
1: right could it be also something to do with the point that to human beings the idea of saving a life is actually important and matters could it be something of that too
3: oh absolutely no question you know, and uh, it's normally somebody with a very high-profile entertainer here in Ottawa, Mike McDonald. And Mike McDonald just not long ago received a liver transplant at the Toronto Western Hospital. And that was big news because it was well known. And you know, the media letters to the editor, radio, television was so well covered. But it just shows a person who was very, very sick needed a liver, and he waited many, many years for that. He finally got it. I saw Mike about a month ago at an event. He looks great, <laughs> the same old Mike, funny as yes. ever, looks well. But isn't that an amazing story? That's saving a life, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, for saving a life. Yeah, and he talks about it. He said, "Yeah, he said saving yeah. my life." And he said, "And and he was very. He said I was very abusive to the way I lived, you know. And finally, you know, I get sick. I need a liver, and they responded, and it's great."
1: Yeah. Now, overall, then the the impression I'm getting from you, in answer to all of these questions I've just asked you, is that the I'm going to call it the opposition, you know, the criticisms, the concerns are on the way
3: out. You know know what opposition is in the medical profession.
1: (laughs) I sure do, yes. (laughs) Okay, I also know about it in the political domain, but that's another story. Um, No, I think we're in a situation where the success, the idea of saving life, and the sense that this is a very worthwhile thing to do, nice. and to agree to. While you're f- hale hearty, while you're in your good shape, you sign a form and say, "I want to, in effect, my body to live on after uh, my death in somebody else's yeah. as a way of saving their life." Now, is that a message?
3: Oh, absolutely! Think? I got to tell you these numbers. I think I think they're rather intriguing. Uh, since the inception of Trillium and Get the Life Snapper in Ontario, that came into existence in 2002. The oldest organ donor in Ontario was 90 years old, and the oldest tissue donor was 106 years old. Isn't that unbelievable? <laughs> so it's no longer a thing for young people. Right. My mother-in-law died a couple of years ago at 88, and her, her corneas were given to two people who uh, were able to resume full and perfect sight. That's a great story too. Yeah, and I think exactly. that emanated from the fact, Sarah. You know.
1: Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And that, I think, too, is another human component. And that is when an, uh, an individual with a name, with a photograph at a young age has given something, a legacy to something that's bigger, larger, better and more helpful and saves lives. Yeah. That's a story that I don't think anybody in their right minds is going to stand up and criticize. They may have little bits of technical concern.
3: I and think may... I agree with you. Part of my bias, but we agree with you.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Now, what that actually now comes back to is um, the the ways in which we want to build the numbers, because we're yeah. not there yet. Oh, no, we're made far from being clear. there. Right. So what I'm going to do now is to take the break, and as I like to say to people, this is where we have to pay the rent, so we'll do that now. (laughs) And what what we're going to come back to is, okay, what more are we going to be doing, and how are we going to address any residual concerns? So, this is Dr. Gordon Lazarie, and my guest is Emile Terrien. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us, we will be back.
0: Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Question, what's working and what's not working in your life? Though we resolve each year to do things differently, and we want what's great for our businesses, our relationships, our health, and more, we don't always know where to turn when life gets tough. That's where Leading Life Large with host Rob Braun comes in. Our show challenges you to reevaluate where you are and keep pushing your way to the success you desire. If you want it bad enough, we can help you turn your life around. Leading Life Large airs Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment.
4: When you think of inspiring women, who comes to mind? Is it a visionary like Oprah Winfrey? Political or legal figures like Hillary Clinton or Sonia Sotomayor? Or how about entrepreneurial business leaders like Meg Whitman? No matter whom you might be thinking of, make sure to add one more to that list. Deanne DeMarco. She's the host of Today's Inspiring Women. Each week, Deanne turns you on to the next rising star in business and leadership and what their successes and challenges have been. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment.
2: Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to doc.com. G at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers
1: Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Emile Therrien. Our uh, topic is, why donate organs and tissues and blood? Uh, Emil, now let's talk about responding to the challenges that could hold back donations and, therefore, how we build the numbers so that more and more is done. Now, yep, that's an first, a, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, let me... Just put the question to you in a bit more formal way, which is of the types of challenges that could hold back donations of organs after cardio-circulatory death, and there are still some. Which are the ones of those challenges do you respect most, and how do you respond to them? What do you say to?
3: Them? Well, I think you know you got to put. We, I think we're getting the message across that transplantation is an important medical procedure. That said, as viewed by the majority of Canadians as a necessary important part of our healthcare system, most expect it will be available to them and their loved ones should they need a ride. But there's a huge gap between support for transplantation, more than 95%, and willingness to do- donate only 50 to 60%. There's where we gotta get those, we gotta line those numbers up. And the important thing is that we get the message out, but one organ and tissue donator donor can save up their lives and improve as many as 75 others i mean these things jump out at people i think more people wouldn't be this is the constant message we got to get out you know at some point you may need a transplant you know you may be in a position someday to be a donor and i think slowly 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 as i alluded to earlier 10 years ago we didn't have these numbers and we're having them now what we're we're not there by any means, but I think we're making slow progress. I think slow progress is good because, as you say, there, are opposi- there is opposi- opposition to DCD. Although I think it's disappearing and evaporating. So with positive messages out there, with people in the transplant community, the doctors who do this work, people like Beth and I and you and your wonderful program, I think the message will get out there. I think slowly the transplantation is getting its footprint in most hospitals across this country, but also we got to realize, and I hate to be sound parochial or biased because I live in Ontario. There's not that many transplant centers in, in this province. There's one at London, one a couple in Toronto and and in Ottawa for a very very large province. You know, many people are really geographically excluded from wanting to be donors or, or from becoming you know being the Uh, recipients of transplantation. So I think that's important, you know, in terms of accommodating everybody's wishes across this province. I don't think that's going to happen. But in the large centers like Toronto, uh, London, even Windsor have a transplant center now in Ottawa. I think we're doing pretty damn good. And the other thing is when somebody does need a transplant, you know, they are now airlifted to either Toronto or Ottawa. So that's taking place through Orange. So it's, 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 it's taken a long time to get there, but slowly, I think we're going to
1: achieve it. Great. Now, I'm wanting to know how you respond to the types of concern that hold families back. And I'm thinking now of what we discussed before, which is um, the various religions who all support the idea, but individual families may not, for one reason or another. Maybe they haven't heard the message. Maybe they're a little bit doubtful about it. Maybe they've got concerned, or maybe they feel that it doesn't really apply to yeah. them. So, Emil, how do you respond to those Let's types
3: of concerns? Let me just tell you, there are people, who no matter how, whether you preach to them, try to convince them, or tell them a very good story, they will never become donors. There's Absolutely no question about it. But my response to you is that, you know, you, along with so many, we could make it happen. You know, there are barriers. There's, color, you know, slightly cultural, religious difference, but they're dissipating. They're going out of the way. So I think everybody is in this game. or mess messed together. And by staying together in this game, I think we can make progress. And we tell people we went through a terrible thing. You know, we're concerned about, you know, really... Taking Sarah off life support, that's the worst decision any family will, have, will ever have to make in their lifetime. We did it because we, we abided in what the medical profession and the social worker and the chaplain told us. It was the best decision for Sarah Beth. It was the best decision for her family. And it was certainly the best decision for those two kidney trans- recipients who went on to live pretty good lives. It's an it- convincing job, but, you know, somebody's got to do it. <laughs>
1: Yes, and it lived on as a legacy, which many people, I believe, would see as a spiritual legacy. This is handing yeah. on yeah. life. Yeah, is that right. right? Yeah. Sorry, go on. Sorry, I was going to say, in other words, um, and here I'm going to put it to you this way: that the religions support it. So there's an element of spirituality involved. Yep. And the spirituality is the thing that supports people in believing that yep. what they're doing is right, valuable, helpful, and life-saving. That's right, isn't it?
3: You're absolutely right. I mean, I couldn't have said it better than that. You're right, You're right on. I should tell you, at our church here in Ottawa, we're Roman Catholics. At. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had, a, I guess, maybe just a session on organ donation we held it in the church basement, and the turnout was remarkable. And one of the doctors who came was a member of our parish was one of the transplant doctors involved with Sarah. So it was a a wonderful experience. But it was amazing how he spoke and other experts spoke and how little people really knew about the field of transplantation. But it's changing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying. (laughs) Yes. Now, let's go back to the problems that the media have in the past created. You've already made clear that they've mended their ways, they're getting yeah. the message. 95% really of them have. Yeah, Let's talk about the 5% that haven't got the message. How do you respond to them?
3: Well, I typically respond, whether radio television or in print, you know, with the typical message we have. And we like to think, you know, our message is, you know, is our message is so compatible with the message of the transplant community in general, the surgeons, the transplant people, everybody involved in this. So I think we feel very comfortable, and what we're saying is, is right on, bang on. And sometimes it's very, very difficult to convince that five percent isn't what life is all about. I just read the thing on seat uh, seat belts. You know, in Canada, ninety percent of people wear seat belts, ten percent don't. <laughs> you know? Right. And we've been trying to get that ten percent up, that number up, since 1971. Right, right. So now we see that element, you know, no matter what you do, there's no buy-in. Maybe that, it's that's just right. ap- apathy or indifference, or they want to be different, maybe. <laughs>
1: quite That's always always a reason being put forward. They can now, always find an excuse. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Now I want to go a little bit further broadly in this way by, saying, by asking you, if you know off the top of your head. How Canada compares with the US in the numbers you've been talking about and if you happen to know how it compares with Europe or Britain? How, where do we stand on the well, international? Well, I
3: should tell you this. Our deceased organization rating Canada, according to everybody, is half that of those countries with the best rates including Australia, the United States and Spain. The, the Spaniards and the US have thirty to thirty two donors for every million people compared to only sixteen for every million people in Canada. So you could see how far we have to go to meet those international standards which are pretty good and pretty acceptable.
1: Half. How how do you what what's your explanation of that? Why are they further uh, ahead than us?
3: Well, you know, I, I probably think the Americans seem to always be number one, and, you know, they're they they, they they're challenged to do things, and they always seem to respond accordingly. Why Spain? I don't know. Maybe it's just the thing, you know, they want to do, and they want to do well, and it's happening there. Another thing I should also tell you is Spaniards have presumed consent, which is, you know, the whole thing, you know, if you're, you know, critically ill or assume that you, you know, you want to be a donor. We do not have that yet in Canada. The Americans do have it. It seems to be controversial here. I'm highly in favor because I consider just another tool in the box. Many American states have it. And I think we we, we will reconsider presumed consent or what I call default to donation. I think we're coming. We will reconsider it within the next two years. We got to.
1: Right. Just a quick question about Ontario. There's a form to be signed. And when you've signed it, that says, I consent to being a donor. Does the family, if you happen to know this in Ontario, have the right to override the consent that you've given when you were alive? Well there are cases
3: where it's a very difficult situation when the parents want to override that consent. It could be a very, very messy situation. But my understanding legal, legally they do not.
1: Right. So but it's a matter of talking then, is sure it? it is. That is yep. to, yeah. Sitting round the bed or sitting um, in a in a quiet place, yep. going through the story yep. in the way that you've just gone through it with us with me that is to say the story is a good one yeah. and our assumption is that your loved one would like to be on his or her own part part of that story because it's a good one and because it has spiritual yeah. uh, ethical yeah. and just humane angles to it which makes it such a happy story yeah.
3: You know, another thing you talk to families and they say it's such a difficult topic to discuss with friends and family, and I, I think they're right. <laughs> they're but you know, they got to do it. <laughs> you know, you got to get over that resistance or concern, and you got to talk about it. Yeah, albeit I could see it's a very, very difficult <laughs> because you're mostly talking death, somebody dying, right?
1: Right, and also you're talking about an experience that most families will have had no knowledge of. This is oh. a new experience for them, isn't it?
3: Oh, yeah. yeah, it's the first, yeah. I mean, I don't know of uh, any, I've, at least I've not met, I'm sure there are, I don't know, a family that's had more than one donor. Right. <laughs> you understand that's, what I'm saying? Not absolutely. two or three. <laughs> Maybe yeah, in time they will, as other, member, as, family, as other family members die, but certainly not at this point.
1: Right. Now, we've come to the need to take the break once more, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon-Avely, and my guest is Emile Therrien. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back.
2: It's your world. Motivate.
0: Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Have you ever noticed that sometimes life just feels easier, especially when judgment of you or anyone else ceases to exist? What if you could function from that space all the time? What if gratitude is the key? Every time you are grateful for someone or something, a new universe opens up. What difference can you create in your life and the world from the energy, space, and consciousness of gratitude? Join us on Access Consciousness Presents Beyond Saying Thank You every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
4: Every one of us confronts challenges that rock our world to the core, making us confused and disoriented, not knowing which way is up. On The Mother Rising, host Margaret Jacobson will nourish that spark that enlivens. You will be both empowered and inspired to create the changes leading you on your path to your own true freedom. Discover your worth and what you are capable of. Tune into The Mother Rising every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
2: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week. Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
1: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Emile Terrier. Our topic is, why donate organs and tissues and blood? Now, Emile, let's talk about what more you and your wife Beth would like to do and see done to respond to the need for more donations of organs, and therefore to respond to whatever challenges remain. What more would you both like to do?
3: I would want to make sure that the provincial organizations that are responsible for organ and tissue donation are well-resourced and well-funded. That's extremely important because if that doesn't happen, a lot of other things will not happen. I'm pleased to know that the Canadian Blood Services, who are responsible organ and tissue donation at the national level, the national coordinating body, you know, their funding is very secure for at least the next five years, so they will continue to doing well what they are already doing. I think that's extremely. Another thing, we see, you know, the very important organizations like the Kidney Foundation and other organizations, the Canadian Critical Care Society, getting on board and really talking about this because they see it. First, had so if we continue to build momentum and support from these organizations and from governments, I think you know more progress will be made. But it's very, very critical. I'm not only talking about dollars here all the time, but it's this moral, ethical support that's so important, right? Supporting local campaigns and you know, and surgical rooms where these things happen,
1: right? In other words, bringing a reality to everybody, yes. Now, what more would you and your wife, Beth, like to see done and by whom it would be done to respond to the things we've been talking about, the need to get more donations and to deal with any, you know, residual sort of opposition or concerns? What more? Would you both like to see done, and who would you like to see do it?
3: Emile? Well, I'd like to see, you know, because we're certainly not professional, you know. Our, our knowledge of the medical world is very, very limited, I could tell you that. I think it's important, and I think at some point in the future when we talk to Dr. Shem and the others, they are out there now talking. They're the experts, people listening to them. And they're more than ever in the past, and my work with doctors, you know, doctors would not do this in the past. Out there advocating for causes, but they're doing that now. They do it on television, they do it in print. I think... Dr. Shemi just wrote an article in Hospital News. I think you're aware of that, Gordon. Yes. You know, but yes. this is the type of thing that is happening. It's never happened in the past when it comes to organ and tissue donation. It's happened the last few years, but
1: never prior to that. Now, what about the healthcare care system itself, and what about the social services? Do you see them doing more? Well, you know, there's never
3: been a problem I'm aware of in Ontario, you know, oh, uh, uh, True and Gift of Life, which is the organ and tissue donation of the uh, agency of the Ministry of Health. You know, they're well-funded. Uh, they're doing their thing, you know. They're, they, they, they have a presence in all the, transportation, the transplantation centers in the province, so they're there and they're very active and, you know, right on, right on top of this whole issue. So uh, uh, if more could be done, I don't know. And if, there, if they think more could be done and Beth and I could jump in and help them, we'd certainly, <laughs> be very happy to do that
1: yeah very good now I'm just going to make a comment back to you that is is obviously is important for the doctors and the experts to get out there promoting the idea no question but it's also powerfully important that people like you and Beth talk about your own been there, done that experience you have you're authentic. People are listening to you. Um, maybe they're facing the same challenges or similar challenges to the ones you did. And they listen to you and they say, Emil and Bertelian know what they're talking about because I'm going through the kind of things they're talking about. Now, I'm saying that to you because uh, listening to people who've been through the experience not only survived it, but also brought benefit to others by going through it, have a powerful influence in countries like oh, yeah. Canada, the US and the rest of it. So my that's why I'm pressing you. Um, you are both going to say on the platform, so to speak, uh, promoting, aren't you?
3: Oh, there's no question about as long as we're able and can do it and feel that we are making a contribution
1: right now i have another question to ask you which arises out of that is that as you know there in in medical practice there are things called clinical practice guidelines which is just just a fancy way of describing the thing that pilots of modern airplanes have which is a kind of checklist that they read off or it's on their computers um do you see any purpose in having um a some kind of family caregiver guideline covering the sorts of situations we've been talking about. That is where our donation is in the picture, where there's a possibility, where it needs to be thought about. Perhaps before the death. What do you think about the idea you know, of the You know, I don't family? know if that's happening. When
3: it's not happening, it makes a heck of a lot of sense because at least you'd have, you know, maybe not necessarily a buy-in from the family or whatever, but at least uh, you, you would be spreading awareness of, of, you know, of this checklist as to because this is not really, you know, a, a, an act that we didn't think about, you know, been <laughs> considering this it's based on that. Would make, to me would make a lot of sense because there's an awful lot of confusion I have had in the, you know, the intensive care units especially. We, we we experience that, you know. But I think, yes, for doctors, you know, uh, I think that would really add to the footprint that the transplantation needs in in, in hospitals, especially in the, uh, in the operating rooms, in the emergency rooms. Would it you makes go a so lot f- of sense.
1: Yeah. Would you go so far as to say there should be one for families as well Yeah, that's that's written yeah. for them?
3: Yeah, because I'll be very honest with you. I mean, when we went through this, I mean, there are no guidelines. You know, they just took it in because, and, and they did it very well. Because you know, but yeah, if we would yeah uh, say you know, and, and, and a very guidelines, but in a very inoffensive manner. You know, not hard. You know, just very soft and saying, you know, we realize that Sarah Beth is very sick. You know, we think you know, do, you, do we ever consider the option of organ donation? And and that's how it really happened. And you know, they they they, they were first of all very honest, which is absolutely critical. <laughs> no, no game playing, I guess, which is the nature of their beast. they got to be like that. But we felt comfortable knowing that they were honest and they were very interested in, in, in our welfare and Sarah's welfare.
1: I want to just take a step into a bit more detail with this idea of giving families more and better information. One of the ways is to make sure that the information is understandable because doctors, and you know this very well, uh, are very much like their technical talk, and I if your is somebody's first experience of these kind of questions, the very last thing they need is this baffling language. And I've heard many, many times that people who are in this tough kind of situation are, and I don't mean this as a criticism half listening in the sense that one half of the mind is grappling what, with what they're hearing, and the other is trying to understand what they're
3: hearing. Yeah, no, you're, that's, the, that's a very, very valid point. There's no question about it Yes, And right. there's now, not an overriding factor, you know, there's somebody lying there who is very, very sick.
1: Quite, exactly. Now, we're agreed on that, so this is the very final question for you. What is your message for family caregivers who are asked to make decisions associated with donations? Emil?
3: I think transplantation is such an important medical procedure. It has shown over for the years. We've had a kidney transplant. The first one was in Canada over 50 years, and since then, you know, wonderful things happened. You know, organ donors can make such a huge change in the lives of very, very sick people, and sick people really deserve a second chance if that second chance is available, and that's what we say, you know. You know, make sure, you know, it's not a great, it's not a difficult thing to become a donor, and in analysis, most most transplants come from dead donors, so we are going to die. And it's really nothing in the way of preventing somebody to say, yes, when I'm gone, please take my organs and please make sure the transplanted is somebody who will go on and live a long and productive life.
1: Very good, very sound message. Now, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this very important say, um, episode. Um, not just the last segment, but the episode as a whole. And I want to say, first of all, Emil, thank you very much for oh, all that you've to be said. With you. yeah. it's, it's, and I want to say to you, please carry on. Uh-huh. Because there's a You've traveled a good way down the road, but you haven't got the full length yet, Oh, you're, you're going right. to get it. You're we're going to get ju- it.
3: We're turning the corner, getting on the stretch,
1: and it's a long that's, stretch. That's, <laughs> that's exactly right. And if I can help you any more uh, by doing another episode like this, uh, I'd be more than happy to.
3: Well, you know, we'll keep you in the loop and stuff we say and do, and certainly, you know, please use it as you see fit. Yeah, and any time we'd be pleased to do this
1: will do thank you very much thank you and also, thank you, Ryan I also want to say thank you to our listeners we'd like to hear your comments on this episode and from our listeners I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show our next episode will be early intervention in life on the autism spectrum please join us same time same spot on the internet talk to you then
2: Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again twice every week, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until the next show, we hope our programs help make the coming week easier and more hopeful.